The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The quarter ahead for stocks is earnings, the Fed, more economic data loom, especially large, not to mention any potential surprises, of course. The Investment Committee revealing their playbooks for the months ahead. Joining me for the hour today, Kerry Firestone, Steve Weiss, Jason Snipe, and Jim Labenthal, both here with me at Post 9. Let's check the markets on this final day of the quarter. You just heard Carl say the S&P is looking for 4,100. Will it find it today on this final trading day of the first quarter? We shall see. NASDAQ, big shock, outperformer yet again. It's up better than 1%. All right, Jim Labenthal. So goes Q1, so goes the rest of the year. That's how we discuss this to start. Since 1980, S&P has posted a Q1 gain 28 times. Only four of those times has the index found itself posting an annual decline that same year. Got a little seasonality on your side in April. What do we think in a week in which you've gotten a little more negative? Just a scooch. I don't care. Scooch. For you, that's a... Yeah, I got, I got, listen, I won't back away from it. I've got to respect. What I've really got to respect is that the Fed just doesn't seem to get it. And I'm not going to belabor this point, but yesterday you and I were on and Fed President, uh, I think it's Boston Collins, talking about tightening more. And I just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. So I'm not even going to spend time on that. It's, does that mean, that, does that make you more negative about what lies ahead? Yeah. Because they just, because first off, what they're doing is they're snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, Scott. They've got inflation going in the direction that they want it. I don't care if you look at average hourly earnings in the labor report, the CPI, the PCE today. It's just going in the direction that it's going to go. And you know what? Not all of the effects of the Fed have been felt yet of the last year's worth of tightening. But they just don't seem to get it. And it doesn't matter what I think, okay? No, you, you know question, what? It, it, it does because you're not alone. In fact... We just had our Delivering Alpha survey, right, looking ahead to the second quarter. The biggest risk to the market in 2023 will be, what was the number one answer, Jason Snipe? Missteps by the Fed. Is the Fed moving too fast on rates, we asked? Yes. 45% said yes, time to slow down. So we got worries that the Fed is going to make a mistake. They're going to misstep. And that is going to cap what happens in stocks in the months ahead. Well, there's no doubt about that, Scott. Obviously, they went far, too far on the front end, right? They talked a lot of all the transitory language that we experienced, and, and it's likely that they will over-tighten. But I, I'll tell you what was positive for me as it relates to PCE today. This was February numbers. This is, this is before the biking, banking crisis that we've experienced over the last couple of weeks, and those numbers were positive, cooling uh, slightly. 
I, I, and I do think the Fed will respond. Listen, we have some time to the May decision, and I, I do think this will play into the decision making that they that lies ahead for the Fed going forward. So, Weiss, you know, we asked also what the S and P is likely to do. Sixty-eight percent of those who answered said has more room to fall. Uh, presumably, you would fall uh, into that category, would you not? I would. So um, it's all about the timing. And the market is very event-driven, event meaning economic releases, Fed meetings, etc. So right now, though, you're in a period where there's basically no news. So you're in a quiet period for companies, which means no buybacks, which means no pre-announcements if you're on a calendar fiscal. And then you don't have a Fed meeting for a while, and you don't have really important uh, economic data which are inflation numbers for a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, you had it so today. Interim, you had it today. Uh, you had it today, right? You, 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 right. you thought that the PCE right. day was going to be a, a, a big day. Lo and behold, it comes in cooler than expectations. No shock at what the market's doing here. Dow's good for 270. S&P trying to get to 4,100. NASDAQ leading yet again. So it is a big day. So it was a binary. I said it'll be binary. And so if the numbers were showing hot inflation, you would have seen a big flush in the market. If it showed really muted a non-event as we saw today or showed a significant reduction in the pace of inflation, then it would be off to the races. But it continues to be consistent, the market, in that it's just finding that, that sliver of good news to continue to push the averages higher. And I think that's going to be the case until you get into the heart of earnings. You know, Kerry, City double upgrades U.S. equities today, by the way. We upgrade U.S. to overweight along with the global tech sector. We downgrade Europe and global financials to neutral given their cyclical nature. So if you voted in our Delivering Alpha survey, and maybe you did, I, I, I'm not sure, 68%, as I said, say the S&P has more room to fall. Do, do you fall into that camp or are you in the city camp which says, you know what, it's time to upgrade U.S. equities? Well, Scott, you, you know that at one point on a show, I sent you a text that said the most positive thing about the market is how negative everyone is. And now three months into the year, we have the NASDAQ up, you know, mid-teens. You've got technology stocks and communication stocks up, you know, high teens. I mean, who would have expected that among the camp that said we had to get to new lows again? And what we've seen, though, is the effect of all of the interest rates that we've had are behind us. And now maybe we have 25 basis points left, but at that point, it's unlikely that we're gonna see more. And markets start to appreciate risk when they see that interest rates may have peaked or about to peak. The inflation numbers are clearly going in the right direction. And technology stocks were smothered last year and got to mm -hmm. multiples that were lower than the market. So it makes sense and it made sense for us before that there would be some reversal in, in leadership. And there, and there has been, and the market has handled this banking crisis in a way that I, I think is unexpected, you know, for many people. Um, yeah, I, know, think, I think you're God. right. I think, I think you're right about that. But let me just jump in for a moment too, because, you know, people are trying to, you know, wrap their arms around the idea that technology's run so much, can it really keep going? Not necessarily at the magnitude in which it's run, but nonetheless, can it keep going at all? Another question we asked as part of this survey, Jim, the best returns for the remainder of 23 will be now NASDAQ 100 got 
23%. But look at the top, 33%, a third, think two-year treasuries. Yes. So it speaks to where Kerry says sentiment still remains, right? So the, it's a fabulous point. And what I would want to say as we look at Q2 and the rest of the year versus Q1, if there's one thing I'm looking for, I'm hoping that this is the quarter and soon where the market and participants realize this economy is a hell of a lot stronger than people are giving it credit for. 3.2% uh, is the latest GDP now update. Uh, that's going to be updated today, probably on our show. It's likely to go higher on the back of what PCE spending did today. But even that is not actually capturing everything because for some reason GDP now, Scott, doesn't encapsulate the services portion of the ISM. I have no idea why. So but that's been gangbusters. Stop you for a second. And, and I'm just going just gonna to push back on you for the sake of this conversation on the, the notion that, as you say, the Fed is, is making a mistake. Um, you, you keep pointing to the fact that the economy is strong. Look at what the market's done since we had the SVB collapse. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why shouldn't they keep going? Well, here's why. why. Here's why. I get where you're going. So this has bothered me a lot for the last year. People saying, well, the Fed wants to crush the economy. The Fed wants to crush jobs. No, it doesn't. All right. This makes my head want to literally explode, but I won't do it on air. OK, um, <laughs> what the Fed wants is maximum employment and lowering inflation. And they're getting lowering inflation. Look at the month over month figures. I don't care whether it's the PCE today, CPI, average hourly earnings. It's going this way. And that's before, as Jason pointed out, before this inevitable credit contraction, which on the margins is negative, but is negative for an economy that's just going gangbusters. The Fed wants this. I don't understand this talk of they want to crush jobs. It's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. No, but they're, they're, if you say they're getting what they want, you know, they're, they're getting a credit contraction, but not a blow up. Knock on plexiglass, whatever wood. this thing is. Um, but how about that? Again, it's yet yeah. another another thing that they can say it's they like can, look you know we're not we, we have the tools to do both mm -hmm. we can fight mm -hmm. inflation we can keep credit from completely blowing up and if there are little flare-ups we have the tools in the box to fight it too if they stop right now they'll have done an amazing job if they stop right now all right the banking system does not need the shock of another increase in deposit funding by another increase in in fed funds rate they've got maximum employment and they've got inflation coming down i mean the fed if you're listening to me what more do you want stop jason snipe i mean this idea that the fed's moving too fast it keeps jim from who's about as bullish as they come yep. on this particular show from being overly positive because he worries about the Fed. Points to all the positives that are out there, but that's the overriding negative. And obviously on the scale, you put the Fed chances of a misstep on the scale, it goes, right, right. weighs the right. most. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think that as it relates to the Fed and, and, and what their policy will be going forward, I still think when I see numbers like I saw today with the PCE and I see we got ISM next week, we got JOLTS next week, as you were talking about the labor market, we got payrolls on Friday. Um, I, and, I, and I agree with Jim. I don't, I don't think the Fed is focused on destroying the labor market. I don't think, that, I don't think that's the deal at all. Um, but, I, but I do think they're going to pay attention to these numbers. I think, and I think that will reflect in policy going forward. As Steve mentioned earlier, there's not a lot going on and from now until May. There will be more data uh, from a macro perspective, and I think the Fed will appropriately respond so to that. So I want to go back to Weiss because, you know, all jokes aside, Weiss, you, you confound me. Um, I just don't understand how you are overwhelmingly negative, okay? 
And you let us and our viewers know that every time you're on. Yet you bought Meta this week. You added more yesterday. You bought the Qs last night. You added more this morning. But yet you always say that you don't want to buy these mega cap tech stocks because you think, in your words, I can get them cheaper. Can you help me understand this? Sure. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I'm here to preserve capital. I'm here to make money when I can make money. So I tend to be active. These are great trading markets, Uh, meta specifically. It's trading at about 19 times, which is a very slight premium to the market. It's got great momentum. And if you look at it on the down days we've had recently in the market, uh, the risk of volatility is pretty low relative to the others. So it's, it's a way to get long the market, I think, in a, um, in a, in a risk-controlled way. In terms of the Qs, it wasn't a big bet. It was a bet that we'd see inflation coming down um, somewhat but I didn't expect it aggressively. I'm still sitting in a ton of cash, but I didn't want to be in the sidelines because again, if there was slightest hint as we saw that inflation was coming down, you'd see the market take off. That's what happened. I could have been wrong, Scott. I could have been wrong. And this morning, you had a very muted reaction to it. So I put on more of the exposure in the queues this morning than I did last night because I thought the market again is going to glom onto these positive signals. Uh, but overall, I think it's inescapable. You know, so many bulls come out and and they focus on the end of rates as a single moment in time. But yet when they're buying stocks, they point to the future. There's an inconsistency in that analysis. What I'm pointing to is the future that is going to be the impact of the Fed action. And that's what's going to hit the market. And and I'm not wavering from that. I know that. But my my point is that for somebody who is you know, allegedly as negative as you suggest that you are, of all the places that you're buying into the market, it's in the place that's ripped the most? I mean, Meta is one of the best performing stocks of the first quarter. Right. But it's where it is today. It's not where it came from. And today it's at 19 times. It's not 150 times. Hey, if I bought NVIDIA, uh, I'd understand your, your consternation there. But I didn't. I didn't buy a stock that's trading at 100 times earnings. I bought one that's trading at basically a market multiple that's good, got good momentum. And, uh, you know, I think it'll do well. And then I've got the option of if TikTok does get banned, it does add to the growth here. Part of that's reflecting the stock, admittedly. But again, it's valuation and support under it if I'm wrong. And so, I don't like the metaverse play that they had. They're cutting back on it. So that's attractive as well. So, Kerry, what about tech? I mean, I know you own Meta, and we don't need to have a conversation about that, and I I really don't want to specifically about Meta, but overall, this notion that, all right, tech's run a lot, it's going to continue to run, right? What you thought was going to happen this year is not happening thus far. So, can't beat them, join them. Just continue to buy big cap tech. Is is that the right play? Well, so just to be clear, what what we thought would happen this year has happened. Uh, so tech stocks were you know, destroyed. And despite being, the group was down 30%, many stocks were down 50 to 80%, including some of the big ones. So they underperformed. They got some religion. They started to address efficiencies, cost cutting, how to make their business better and leaner, because for years they didn't have to. They could show very good numbers, and they could spend whatever they wanted to do. 
So now they're not spending as much. Their stocks, then their options are underwater and they're taking action. So that's a positive. We, we know that they all have good balance sheets. Technology stocks, very high margins anyway, even though they're getting better and their margins are, are large. They have big cash balances. Look at the cash that, you know, Apple, Apple, Google and Microsoft together probably have more cash than most countries in the world have in, you know, have stored away. So, you know, I, I think if you, you want to be defensive, there's a play on that. If you want to look for oversold, there's a play there. They still have earnings growth. If the S&P is flat this year in earnings or down, these stocks will have positive earnings. They're growing. Their long-term growth rate is higher. So, you know, I mm -hmm. can make the case why they can continue to move up. I mean, there's a there's a price at which everything is a sale, right? We all, we all understand that. That's the business we're in. But, but no, I understand. For, but, I mean, I have more people, Kerry, coming on lately saying fade. Fade tech. Don't buy it here. Well, How can you buy so it here? Far. It's been up like a been up a ton. Those are mostly people who don't own these stocks. So they don't own them. And, you know, not not to say they're talking their book, but if they don't own them, they're less inclined to continue to like them. I mean, them. there's some of your friends on this show. There's some of your friends I, on this show. I'm not going to mention any names. They're still my friends. And Steve's my friend, whether he likes Meta or he doesn't like Meta. And I like him better today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, Jason Snipe. The the idea that, you know, these things are going to continue to run. Look, Tom Lee, he told you to get into Fang. Now, I mean, obviously, he's been bullish through the, the bad period, too. So I'm not suggesting that he's called everything correctly within the last year, because obviously he's not. But he said early on in this year, get into Fang. It's, you know, gotten beaten down too much. He points out also now two consecutive quarterly gains are not indicative of a, a bear market. Um, how do you see this trade? It's interesting, and I think I talked about this earlier last week uh, with, with the fact that a lot of people were offsized at the beginning of this year. Um, but I look at the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ, to Kerry's point, the NASDAQ was down 34% last year, right? The NASDAQ 100 is up almost 20% year to date in the NAS, and the NASDAQ's up around 16%. Um, do I think these stocks can continue to run at the pace that they have been? No. Forget the pace. Just forget okay. the pace. I mean, we don't need to have you know, five years worth of gains in, right. in the three months ahead. And I'm being facetious, obviously, right, about right. what we just had. But I mean, let's, let's be real. The, the Nasdaq is up 15 and a half percent over the last few months. Some of these stocks, Nvidia is up. I think it's somewhere close to 70 percent oh, right. th this quarter. So we don't. I'm not talking about that kind of pace. Right, but right. is this still the trade you want to be in, or is it time to revert back to what you thought was going to work? Like in energy, for example, as I look right here on my screen, energy's up again. Okay, it had a six handle on it not that long ago, right. and now it's pushing 76. Absolutely, and energy was down. A week ago, 13%. I think it's down now roughly around 5%. Oil has, has, has appreciated some, and I think that's part of that trade. I do agree with the fact that it's, it's likely that you should take some off the table as it relates to some of these, some of these tech names. I think some of the value-oriented tech, you know, and some of the semis. Semis have also run a lot. SMH is up 30% uh, year-to-date. So I think some of the more cyclical oriented areas, there is some opportunity there, you know, and I think that's just prudent strategy going forward as you look at the, the back end of the year. So speaking of cyclical plays, Deer, Weiss, I didn't mention that one, I don't think. You bought more of that too, right, a couple of days ago? Yeah, so I bought it, uh, if you call, I sold it uh, significantly higher than where it is. I guess about 5% higher or so. And I said, I'll come back to it and get it cheaper. Uh, and I did. So I bought the initial. I didn't catch the bottom last week, but, uh, you know, I bought some below uh, 400 and, and I added to it. 
Uh, deer's a pretty interesting story. Uh, <clears throat> you're seeing in small ag equipment, you're seeing used inventory pick up. So that's an issue, but in the large cap, uh, large equipment rather, that those fundamentals can even be very strong. <clears throat> Excuse me, Scott. And by the way, the farm is still healthy, so so I like it. Uh, it it's you know it's showing great fundamentals in the last quarter. I think they'll continue this quarter. There are some unknowns, of course, but you know the price I'm getting it at, I like it. Um, you know, look, you know, I just want to go back to the cues a little bit. That's a trading position. So I don't want people to think I'm long the cues, staying long the market, or meta necessarily. So I could be out of those at any point in time. They've been good trades, not great trades so far. I mean, you That's could be I'm out doing. at so 12, you could be out market. at 12.20. You have, I'm looking at the clock, you have 20 They're seconds. They're nice games, so. hey, you, you know what? A annualize that, that's all I'll say, yeah. okay? Market yeah. presents opportunities to make money, I make money. I've got a long-term portfolio and a trading portfolio. Nothing to be right, ashamed get, of. I do it. And you don't have to get defensive well. about it. Just you don't have to be defensive. Just uh, I'm just not. I'm trying to explain to you. I, I think uh, I'm I just think trying to react to your inability to keep pace. I, I think we yeah, understand okay. that these are Fair trading enough. positions for you, like almost everything else that you have been in and out of uh, with warp speed in, in the last <laughs> several months. So you'll keep us up to to speed That's on that. I do. know. I know you will. Carrie, before we take a yep. break, um, you're trimming booking. You're trimming O'Reilly. And you bought more United Health and Adobe. And enlighten us there before we go. Yeah, so quickly, uh, Booking is one of those names that has had a really big run. It's been outperforming the market for the last year plus. It's in the discretionary category. So it's a tech stock, it's about travel. People have been spending a lot of money traveling. And if there's a slowdown and consumers spend less and businesses cut back a little bit, you know, I don't think that's great for booking. We still like the stock. It's it's a, a large position for us. So we cut back. The same with O'Reilly. Been an excellent stock. 2022, way outperformed the market, wasn't down. <laughs> and um, and continue to earn nicely. But the the whole idea is people are you know driving more, spending more time on the road. Maybe that sort of played out in the short term and where the stock is now. Again, we're not we're not selling the whole position, but trimming. United Healthcare is a name. So while we have a growth bias, uh, UNH is a bit of a value stock. It's been underperforming this year. It still has growth. You have uh, a country with 3.5% unemployment, even if that number rose a little bit. Still, all these people need health insurance. They're number one in the category, and we think they'll they'll have earnings growth this year, despite what happens to um, to the economy in our recession. So okay. we add it. All right, good. Yeah, all right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We got more moves coming up as well. We're going to talk about a bank stock that one of our committee members is selling. We'll do that in two minutes when halftime comes back right here, post nine at the New York Stock Exchange. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. 
Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's talk about the market. Because the Dow was just up 300 points. We're at the highs of the session on what's been a very, very good quarter for stocks in general. S&P, obviously, and the NASDAQ have outperformed the Dow in a major way this quarter. But nonetheless, it looks like we're going to go out with a bang today as we turn the page into April. Let's talk about another committee member as well making a move. And I don't know, Care, why are you selling First Republic? Because now I remember you telling us when you bought it, obviously. And then the stock was down a lot. And I remember you telling me, See, I got in the right time. This was a good trade. This was good. But why are you out now? Well, the day I told you that the stock was up 50%, so I was feeling really good about it. And then the next day, it was down. And here, here's what happened. Um, it, it was our smallest position by a lot. And we bought it because we felt that the deposit spling would be contained. It would be, at the worst case, 35% of deposits. And we're pretty sure that number is over 40%. They haven't divulged it yet. But, you know, the rumor says there's at least $70 billion that left. And there was a real run on the bank. Um, you know, it was just too bad what happened. Great bank, we, we believe. But at that point, on its own, it's insolvent. First Republic cannot exist on its own with all of the incremental money that's come into the bank and what they borrowed from the FDIC. It can't handle it. And so now it's just waiting for somebody to buy those assets, which means they have to price the assets and mark them down to current value, which is lower than they're carrying them by, you know, 20 plus percent, maybe 30 percent. And we just didn't want to wait for that. So we were in, we thought that it would be contained, that run on, on the bank, but it wasn't. And it just followed what happened at Silicon Valley, more or less. And, you know, that, that was just the, the, the thesis that we, we couldn't support anymore. Where'd you, where'd you buy it at? Refresh our viewers' memories yeah. for me, please. What, so what was we the were number? Buying it, so we were buying it around 30. Um, at that day it traded, it was uh, March 20th, 21st, I don't know. Uh, it was in that range, 25 to 31-ish. And then when we sold it, I, I think we, we were out um, totally 17 plus. So, you know, we lost money on the trade. Uh, again, it was, you know, basis points. It, it wasn't, it, we weren't talking about a percent of the portfolio. It was well less than that. So oh, it was, I understand you know, that. I understand yeah. that. I'm not suggesting in any way that it yeah. was some massive position of yours, but I just, re you know, recall the fact of buying it, making such a yeah. positive case about it, as, by the I way, did. Jim Labenthal did as well, who, who has also yeah. since sold it, um, right. doubling your position once it sold off. So showing, you know, an even higher level of conviction about it and That's then right. now selling out and, and, and taking the L. Yeah, well, I think if the stock sits here at, at $12, $13 a share, for six months or, or, or longer, and we can deploy that into other uh, other stocks. I mean, we also, I think you said Adobe, we, we did buy a little more Adobe. So if we can make more money in the other trades that, that we put in, I, I think that's better use of, of the capital. And I, you know, I understand that it, it, it was disappointing. It wasn't what we wanted, but seeing what the numbers were really um, about and the fact that, look, they haven't had an offer. 
It's not as if, you know, J.P. Morgan, who was trying, Jamie Dimon, coming to the rescue. He hasn't made an offer on that bank, and none of the other large um, banks have. So we, we think it could be a longer, drawn-up process, uh, again, okay. while they, you know, they analyze what, what's there and what isn't. No, I, I hear you. Look, I mean, it's hey, easy, Scott, it's easy Scott, to come on and talk about I, what, Weiss? What is it? I was just saying, I don't Defend understand, I don't say, understand say trading nice. mentality, you know. <laughs> I just don't understand the trading mentality. <laughs> Are you being okay. serious? Or are you making a, a typically bad joke? No, I'm, I'm making an observation that it's okay to trade some and it's not okay to trade others. But I, what Carrie did was the exit, I think, was great. I mean, the facts changed as she perceived them to be. So she yeah. controlled the risk. So why stay in a bad trade longer than you exactly. have to when the catalyst for getting in doesn't exist anymore? Makes perfect um, sense. Yeah, no, uh, obviously. Um, I, I merely was going to point out um, before I was interrupted by you, of course, uh, that it's easy to come on of and course. talk about all the great trades that you've made. And I mean that for everybody. But when you have a, a losing trade, something that obviously has been as volatile as this, I, I just appreciate the honesty uh, on it. That's all. Um, how about banks in general, Jim? Um, so the banks are in this tug of war between what's gone on with their book value and what's going on with their earnings power. And by that, I mean a lot of the banks have now been priced at a much lower percentage of book value. Um, and that would give you the implication that you should buy them. And I am bullish on them. But but you have to offset by the fact that uh, earnings are going to go down. And for a number of reasons, we talked earlier in the show about deposit funding, the cost there, regulations. You know, Scott, the FDIC cost that's been projected for Silicon Valley Bank, whatever it is, 20 billion, 23 billion. Yeah. That's not coming from the taxpayers. That's coming from the banking system. That's going to be a cost on the banking system. That's just an example. So, look, there's that tug of war, the yin and yang, but I do think that where they are right now at these prices, they are attractive. Is it really a, a, a tug of war? I mean, if you figure credit tightening, lending tightening, White House talking about these new proposals, I don't know that everything on their list is going to happen and maybe nothing does, but one would surmise that something yep. from a tighter regulatory standpoint is going to happen. Yeah. I and mean, that's, all of that is, even if it's incrementally negative, it's still negative for what you would think bank stocks might be able to do, let's just say in the next quarter, since we're looking at that time frame specifically. Yeah, so, well, you can even look further than that. And what I'm saying is the yin and yang here is everything you just highlighted is part of that earnings contraction that's going to happen in the banks. However, there are positives, and this is where an investor takes a risk, right? If you can quantify the risk and you can see the opportunity, you take it. I might be wrong on what this. Are the I might be what wrong. are the positives? Yeah, where these stocks are relative to their book value, number one. Number two, you know my base case that we're not going to be in a recession and that there's a lot of manufacturing going on in this economy, a lot. That needs financing. I know manufacturing's been in a recession though, right? Yep, it has been. That is for a very specific reason, right? A lot of people bought a lot of stuff yeah, early in the, the pandemic. Yeah, I don't care about the reason. I just care about what it is. Well, yeah, but look at what's, look, this is what all of us do, including you. We look forward, right? And you look forward. You see Boeing wants to manufacture planes. I know I said this. You're gonna, don't get mad at me. But I'm look, not saying anything. Boeing wants to manufacture planes as fast as they can get the engines. Mm -hmm. Ford and GM, as, as fast as they can get the chips. Factories going up all over the world. I hear you. Factual. Manufacturing has been in recession the past few months. I don't think for a second that's where it's going to stay. All right, straight ahead. We'll show you our chart of the day today. Pull back for one semi-stock. We'll give the name. We got the trade. We'll do it next.
From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Halftime Report. I'm Contessa Brewer. Here's your CNBC News update this hour. Former President Donald Trump is publicly criticizing the impartiality of the judge who's expected to preside over the former president's arraignment Tuesday. In a Truth Social post, Trump accused New York County Supreme Court Justice Juan Merchant of hating him. Merchant oversaw the tax fraud cases against the Trump Organization and its former chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. Meanwhile, President Biden and the First Lady are in Mississippi. They're getting a firsthand look of the devastation left behind by a powerful tornado in the state. The storm swept through the state last week, killing 25 people. And a coroner in Sharkey County, Mississippi, said at least 13 people died in the small town where the Bidens will visit. And the White House has proposed a new rule to allow the Interior Department to release public lands for conservation. The Interior says doing so would help states and companies offset the environmental impact of their development plans. Scott? All right, Contessa, thank you. Sure. That's Contessa Brewer. Now to our chart of the day. It's Micron, shares of the chip giant pulling back on news that Chinese regulators plan to dig into Micron's supply chain and look for any quote-unquote hidden product problems. Our Christina Partsinevelos at the NASDAQ with the headlines dragging that stock down by a little more than two and a half percent. Christina? Scott, the details in this report right now are scant. We don't know if regulators in China are reviewing DRAM or NAND chips and if either will be banned during this review process. So timing is also suspect since Taiwan's president is visiting the United States this week. And Japan also just announced last night it plans to block sales of advanced semiconductor equipment into China following the U.S., of course, and ASML in Europe. The memory market, though, is dominated by three major players. You got, and China may actually try to serve circumvent Micron by going to two other of those players, Samsung and Hynix, but not without jeopardizing its own AI goals. So it's pretty much a double-edged sword hurting both sides. Should China follow through with a ban, there would be a near-term impact to Micron since as of fiscal 2022, China and Hong Kong contributed 16% of total revenue. And it would also signal a broader shift in Chinese policy, leaving other U.S. vendors with large Chinese exposure at risk, think Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, and that could dramatically hurt the sector, like the SMH, like the SOX. But as Matt Bryson at Wedbush says, it's still too early to assess the ramifications, and Mizuho's Vijay Rakesh suggests buy this dip. Well, we'll see, Christina, whether the Investment Committee agrees with that. Thank you very much, Christina Partsinevelos. Uh, Jason Snipe, you don't own Micron, and I don't know if you have any interest in, in it or not, but you do have NVIDIA and Qualcomm, and it has been an incredible quarter for the chips. Without a doubt, Scott. And we, we mentioned this earlier. I mean, the semi-space is up around 30% year-to-date. But I'll, I'll, I'll pick on uh, Qualcomm for a second, because I think, you know, we talk about NVIDIA all the time. But Qualcomm, what I, what I really like about what they've done is they, they've really started to work on diversifying their revenue stream. You know, they're working through their inventory. There was a... There was a miss on revenue last quarter, but it was a beat on EPS. 
but the, the, the drawdown in, in inventory was a $2 billion hit to revenue. Uh, but their silicone and, and, and IoT portfolios continue to grow. So I, I continue to like the stock. It's up around 15% and its value, you know, still trading around 12 times earnings. So I, I like this name here. Jimmy, that's a, that's a name for you too? It is. Qualcomm NXP as well. Yeah, uh, Qualcomm in particular, because I don't feel like I've spoken about it in a little while, but what you're playing for here is the potentiality uh, that the handset market, uh, the smartphone market has bottomed. Now, I can't prove that, by the way. I'm not saying I know that. Uh, what I am saying is that at some point that will have bottomed. The opening up of the Chinese economy is likely a catalyst that has the handset market getting back on its feet. You know, we all know, and Jason will know this, that it's more than handsets at Qualcomm, automotive, Internet of Things. But unfortunately, the bulk of their business is handsets. Right. So you're really playing for that recovery at the same time. It's awfully cheap. I mean, this is awfully cheap to stay in here and just wait. If I'm wrong that it's maybe not bottoming right now, it eventually will. So you're not going to get too badly punished, I don't think, staying in Qualcomm right here. All right. Up next, we have an update on the Halftime Stock Summit. We look at how some of the companies are committee's uh, picks have, have performed in the quarter. And by the way, do not miss a special CNBC Pro Talk. It is coming up today, 1.30 Eastern time on how top women in finance are putting money to work, hosted by our own supervising producer, Patty Martell. There's the group, Jenny Harrington, Liz Young, Bryn Talkington. Please don't miss that. CNBC.com slash Pro Talks. We'll be right back. We're back. It's time to check in on the stock summit now as we close out the first quarter. All right, Carrie, I'm beginning with you. Okay. Great. Charles Schwab. <laughs> Charles Schwab was one of your picks. Financials was your sector. Now, obviously, you didn't know that there was going to be a banking issue, to say the least, during the mm -hmm. quarter. But let's talk forward rather than past. Um, yeah. Schwab now and the financials now. What do you think? Well, Schwab, as you say, got caught up in, in everything about banks. And, you know, it, strangely, you know, it's also a San Francisco originating bank. I know it's in Austin uh, today, but Silicon Valley and First Republic both are originally from, you know, San Francisco. So you wonder if that had anything to do with it. 80% of their deposits are more than 80% or $250,000 or less, so insured. And they, they have gotten inflows in every day in March, or they had as of, you know, a week ago. So it's it's hard to see why they got grouped in. It's 10 times next year's earnings. It's low multiple stock. We, we don't see anything but a very cheap stock right here. We do not own money center banks. So when I said financials, we were really talking about more specialized types of financial uh, companies. And you know, in that group now is, is PayPal and all the payment companies, which had terrible years last year. And we thought that would turn around. It hasn't yet. And so we, we think there's still potential for that part of the, um, the market and that sector. You know, some of my other picks were good, like Align. <laughs> no, Align was great. Align was great. I'll lead you there. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't you. have to cover anyway. up the losses with that. I got your back. Don't worry about that. Align up 48%, top 10 NASDAQ 100 stock in the quarter. Yes, Carrie, you picked that one too. Uh, Jason Snipe. Energy. Again, talking about being on the wrong side of positioning. Energy was your sector. It's down 6%. Goldman, you had, is down six and a half again, so you're in the banks. Yes, Palo Alto is a good one. Another top 10 NASDAQ 100 stock in the quarter, up 39%. But, you know, do you want to stay with Palo Alto? And what about the, the losers that you've had? 
Yeah, CVS, so, by the way, down 20. CVS 20, down 20%. Yeah, big time. So for me, as it relates to Palo Alto, as you mentioned, I mean, it's up 39% year to date. Um, you know, EPS growth was up around up, up almost 80% in the last quarter. Revenue growth was up 26%. Those are names that I think going forward, although fundamentally uh, from a cybersecurity perspective, I don't think that changes, um, you know, that issue changes. But I, I, I am looking to trim here. Um, you know, it's, it's done really well, but I still think there's continued upside. Yeah, as it relates to CVS, CVS down 20%, big loser, unfortunately. I think what they're working through is integrating Signify and Oak Street, but I do think this stock is bottoming, so I think there's some upside from here going forward. Okay. Uh, as it relates to GS, you know, GS for me is, you know, IB obviously in capital formation still hasn't, there's been no traction there. Consumer segment has been a mess so far this year, but I think asset management is what they focus on their investor day, and I do think there's strategic upside. With all the things that's been going down, still only down 6.5%, I think that's a win. All right, Weiss, uh, Moderna down 18%, GXO is up 16 uh, but profitable healthcare, and you made the distinction profitable healthcare, down 5.5%. So what from here? So uh, with Moderna, Moderna is just, you know, hold it, put it away. It's going to be event-driven uh, as events occur, and you'll see more data on the personalized cancer vaccine coming up, uh, RSV, et cetera. The stock will do well. So um, it's not quarter to quarter. It's over the long term. In terms of GXO, it just got beaten down too much, and, and they benefit obviously from e-commerce, but also the outsourcing trend. So I'm comfortable with that. In terms of profitable healthcare, I still like the sector. Uh, you know, about the same number of sectors are down that are up. It's primarily uh, consumer and, um, and, and technology, as you pointed out. So if you haven't been there, you haven't done well. I still like profitable healthcare. I still think it's gonna do quite well. All right, up next, Mike Santoli with his midday word. We will be right back. All right, Mike Santoli's here, our senior markets commentator, for his midday word on this last day of the quarter. I mean, obviously, what, sta what stares you in the face is the Nasdaq's 16% gain. S&P yeah. uh, is up 65 because of tech, obviously. Yes, um, on a quarterly basis, that's true. Uh, and it was the story coming into the week. It's become less the case this week that it's that narrow and that exclusive. You equate S&P, I always talk about it, up 2.5%, 3% this week. And credit has firmed up. That was the thing that I think you had to worry about. If that was going to be uh, a little bit of a, of a scary divergence from what the big caps were telling you. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, um, it's conclusive. It's kind of understandable that we have this mechanical run up toward the upper end of this range that everyone has been watching for a while, 4,100. Um, it seems like, though, we're not going to get there being particularly overbought. We're not going to get there with the market being particularly overloved. In fact, probably the yeah, opposite. The opposite. Um, there's the way in which... The narrowness of the market, the fact that everybody could say, aha, it's only five or six stocks, that it makes everyone feel a little more uh, kind of prudent and careful and um, maybe reassured that it's okay to miss this because I, you know, I'm not going to participate in that game. You know you're going to get at 4,100, assuming that we do get yeah. there and we're on the doorstep, should you sell at 4,100. That's going to be one of those benchmark levels that you say, should right. you sell. 
No doubt about it. And I know that a lot of people would maybe stretch it to 42 yeah, because 41, you 42. did get up there. And it, we're talking about 2 or 3%. It's crazy that this is the game we're playing, whereas it used to be, oh, buy the 5% pullback. No big deal because you were confident in the longer-term trend. People are not confident that we have a new uptrend here. So it's going to be a legitimate question again, though. It doesn't feel like we're all that far out on a limb on the average stock if the market can essentially broaden out a little bit. And uh, you do have the better seasonals kicking in yep. and all the other sort of tactical clues that say when the market does X, what happens after? They're starting to look a little better you know, to the extent we can rely on those things. See you in a couple hours. Right. That's Mike Sintel. He'll be back, of course, for his last word today during closing bell. Grade My Trade is up next. We're back in just two minutes. My trade time, Jim Labenthal, Casey in Boston wants to know, bought into Disney, currently down 34%. Bob Iger returning. Should I cut loose or buy more and see what the long term brings? What do you think? Okay, Casey, I don't like doing this. I'm giving you a C, but I want you to understand I'm giving myself a C or even lower. Okay, here's what both of us need to understand. I give you an F. Casey gets a C. <laughs> Go ahead. That, that hurts, Scott, but I'm going to I'm going to carry Continue. on like a professional here. All right. Here's the thing, Casey. The exam is not over. That is not your final grade. OK, there's been a lot going on. We've got the annual meeting coming up on Monday. One of the things we should be looking for here is a dividend increase. Actually, dividend reinstatement is more like it. But think about all the things going forward, whether it's the studios, the theme parks, the streaming business. There's a lot going right here. We're supposed to stick with it. That's not our final grade, Casey. OK, uh, Jason Snipe from Steve bought 100 shares of target just yesterday around 158 it's near 52 week lows with a two and three quarter percent dividend i think the downside risk is already priced in what do you think so i like target here targets you know it's, it's had a decent move thus far this year it's around up around nine percent um you know they beat on the top line they're working through their margins i think I think, uh, you know, the inventory issue is likely behind them. So I think there's some continued upside ahead, uh, but it's still a, a difficult operating market. So I think um, I think it's going to be tough, but I do I do like the name here. And I think this is a solid B here. All right. Does it for us. Final trades coming up next. Right, we'll close out the quarter on closing bell a couple hours from now, three o'clock Eastern time with T. Rose, Sebastian Page will be with me on set. Stephanie Link, Kevin Simpson with some new trades. And also Bespoke's Paul Hickey will be here as well. See what the next few months holds in, in his view. I hope you'll join me then. Carrie, why don't you do a final trade? Why don't you kick us off? Um, I would use Adobe. Adobe peaked in late 2021 at about 700, fell to 275. It's 380 now. The market hated the Figma acquisition that's integrating now. They're cutting costs. Their sales are coming back. And this is mission-critical software. And the stock is attractive. All right. Steve Weiss, what you got? Yes, sir. Aircap, it's a new position. Uh, they did an offering to take GE out of a third of their position. GE will sell the other two-thirds. It's a great way to participate in what's going to continue to be a great uh, period of time for airline purchases since they finance them. Okay, I, got, I don't have much time, but since it's new and you're recommending it essentially by saying it, are you plan on being in here for a bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bought this at the Lowe's. So unlike okay. some of the others, this is a great okay. buy, value purchase. 
All right, good stuff. Give me a, a name. Yeah, Boeing production going up. What you got? Accenture. Okay, good stuff. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. I'll see you on the other side. Well, I'll see you on the closing bell uh, in a couple hours. The exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 